Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. This week's episode is part B of my interview with Kevin Coriel, my partner in my business and a new furniture maker extraordinaire. Emphasis on extraordinary, thank you. <laughs> so I have another question um, because I heard you mention the other day, which I think is hilarious because I often have um, thought about it is listening to a group of designers talk. And I, and I try to explain to people, you don't understand that designers are their own breed. We are born this way. We have a weird obsession with furniture and beautiful rooms that other people can't understand. I mean, it's to a level where, I mean, again, I still get excited when I get a new furniture catalog. Like my heart beats faster. I go, oh, what is it? The banter is awesome. So yeah, listening to the girls and men, we now have two male designers, but listening to us talk when we talk about like new furniture that comes in or. Oh, it's exactly like a ready room full of pilots. You know, you, you could, you know, as you personally, Chelsea could sit back as a fly on the wall and listen to this and just watch the personalities you know, the, the banter go back and forth and whatnot and what you're talking about. And after a while, you'll pick up certain patterns and you may not know the subject matter of what they're talking about, but you can assess the responses to that subject matter while you're being that fly on the wall. And it's exactly the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm a 240 pound fly on the wall, <laughs> leaning up against the, <laughs> watching all of this unfold. And I realize, I realize that it's just like a, a ready room full of pilots. It's just a different language and a different uniform and a different yeah. task. But the banter it, going back and forth is just priceless. And, and I try to interject every now and then and I'm not so good at it, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's awesome to, to behold. Well, and, and you know, you guys would just be talking with your hands, where because pilots <laughs> there, do. That's there a thing. it is. Well, but that's true. Pilots talk true. with their hands because you know your your angle of bank. You're talking. You know when you're discussing flying, and it occurs to me like yesterday I was trying to tell a story to the girls and describe this project I was working on, and three sentences would go by, and then I'd have to jump up and go get the fabric to show them, and then another three sentences would be like, oh hold on let me show you the picture, and another three sentences. So we're, ours is so visual. True. And so we're constantly, oh, no, 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 let me show you this. And we have to go get a sample and like touch it and feel it. And very, very tactile. Yeah, very tactile. So it is a little different, but you're right. It is. It's um, the same. There's it's the so same many where you have this passion. Again, nothing against accountants, <laughs> but I just don't imagine a group of accountants getting together and getting excited and passionate talking about all this, you know, number, this, but it's <laughs> a balance sheet. It, where you are in life is no mystery. You know, I've often believed you know, as, as my life has taken different courses and whatnot, I've always kind of understood. And now I almost think it's a theory where, where you are and what you gravitate towards is a function of your DNA. Like the yeah. things that drive you as a person, that yeah. the things that you find worthwhile, that, that you're able to wrap your self-esteem and your ego around, you gravitate towards that. Like, yeah. and you can no more blame somebody for wanting to do that than you could blame a compass for pointing north. It's, yeah. it's what they're meant to do. And I look at, I look at you guys out there. And you're all the same. Uh-huh. You're born to be a designer. I mean, everyone is different. Don't get me wrong. Everyone is different. But this, the skill set that you have, the, the, the passion that you have is identical from, from one designer to the next. You guys are all motivated by the same things. And it is, like I said, it's just like any group of professionals. You look at, you can have a complete outsider come in, look at that group of professionals and see the same parallels. Like, wow, all of these people are 
comics. All of these people are intelligent. All of these people are driven to do what they do. Um, and it just, it, you know, and it's from profession to profession to profession. I'm, I would love some input from a, maybe I wouldn't, I don't know, from that accountant that, that explains, you know, we'll call like, Barry. Like, like that's why you need to have Jill come here and say, you know, what, what, uh, what motivates you to do those routine tasks over and over and over. And, and I could probably come up with a couple of guesses, you know, but because I'm, there's a part of me that does that as well. Um, but yeah, no, you need to have Jill in the hot seat. Wow. This is about you, Kevin. Good luck with that. You're, you're on the hot seat now. That's okay. Um, where do you see, this is this is a curveball, where do you see you as a professional now that this is your profession? You are a furniture store, interior design studio owner. You're a furniture maker. Where do you see your career five years from now? I just want successful employees. Um I've never uh, asked him this, by the way. So. Obviously, I've, I've had, you know, obviously my interest is in making the store successful and whatnot, but the, um, I had an epiphany recently. Um, you know, when you leave the military and you do something as a lot of different jobs, there's accounts in the military too. Yes. Um, there's a lot of different jobs, but, uh, but I gravitated towards jobs that produced adrenaline and, and I really enjoyed being on the tip of the spear and I enjoyed cheating death and, and whatnot. And, and that was super cool. Um, but, but, um, it, when you leave that, you, there's a hole, there's a vacuum in you where you lack a mission. You know, when you're part of something that's bigger than yourself and you leave that organization, sometimes you're, you're floundering to find that goal. You're, you, you want to fill that mm -hmm. void because, because you had that void when you were a kid and you gravitated toward this job to be part of something bigger than yourself, you may not have known it that you had that void, but it's, it becomes apparent later in life that you were there doing your duty because you were driven to do your duty. So when I left that, it, it, a void was, was present. And, and I had a hard time trying to figure out how I should fill that void. And a couple of months ago, I had an epiphany that I have 10, 10 employees, and um, most of them need healthcare coverage, and most of them need a 401k with matching, and, and uh, they need Christmas bonuses, and they need, they need me to take care of them mm -hmm. um, in certain ways. Just like as a leader in the military, you take care of your people. You make sure that their, their wives are taken care of. You make sure that their paychecks are on time. You make sure that uh, their kids are getting the care that they need at the hospital. Or and they get follow. home alive. Yeah, or they get home alive. That's a good one, too. <laughs> That's a um, But you take care of all those, those things. And so just a couple of months ago, I had this epiphany that, hey, knucklehead, your mission is just as big as it's always been because there's 10 families that rely on you to, to provide for them. And so I... You know, and when we gave out those Christmas bonuses, they were small. They were they were infinitesimally small, but not they, too small. But, <laughs> but yeah, they were, it's like, but it's our. It, second, it was a start. Yes, it was a start. Not even our second year. And so by next Christmas, I'd like to to have by everyone a boat healthcare. No, I, don't, I don't have a boat. <laughs> I can't even afford the we're furniture I make. Fishing. <laughs> but uh, no, but, I agree. But, but I'd like to have. Healthcare for those that healthcare options, yeah, and, and 401k with matching, 
And uh, I'd like to give back to those people because I, I want to retain them. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, like we got a small bus and, and we got so many seats on it. And I'd like to fill it with people that are happy to be there. They're talented. And I'd like to take care of them and, yeah. and make sure that they, they stay on our bus. And, uh, and, and, and we get together as a family. I agree. Um, yeah. I, I've, I'll, ever since I was little, I've wanted to provide a career for people who m- might not be given the chance somewhere else. I mean, and designers... It is. It's hard. I mean, you're either independent and you've got to be really good at business and you've got to know your stuff and you have to have a client list and you have to maintain it and get, you know, repeat customers and it's your own business. This is just doing that, but on a much, much bigger scale where now we're getting to teach our life skills and things we've learned over the years um, and, and help our employees as, as we build this business and give them, you know, protection and safeguards and things. Um, but but it's a place where they can thrive. Like I want, you know, I want them to spread their wings and be creative and be happy in their job along with, you know, I would say I want everyone that, that I hire to retire with us. I mean, this is a career and you can't just find that everywhere, especially no. as a designer. Because I don't think there's an interest in providing a living wage. You know, businesses, yeah. businesses I think, have lost sight of that. Um, I, yep. I had a huge wake up when I left the military and I went to work for my first, you know, bona fide corporation on the stock exchange and i realized pretty quickly that if if your if your employment has anything to do with shareholders Uh you you work for the devil (laughs) (laughs) no offense to companies but but no you're have shareholders no it is it is the needs of the individual are subordinate to the the needs the requirements to the shareholder well and and most people that get into interior design they're not, in fact, I've never really met, maybe I've met one, but no one that wants to build a corporation so big. No designer says, I want to build this Fortune 500 no. company. They they want to make people happy. They want to create beauty. They want to be creative in their lives. They want to have freedom. You know, and, and again, it's that emotion side that I always talk about. And we get to do that and just have this small company where we can all succeed and make a great living and still get to do those things that it is. It's a huge goal. Um, I feel the same way. Look yeah. At that. We have, have the same five-year plan. I have no plan. desire to franchise no. our business. No. I've seen too many franchises go down in flames. I don't enjoy making – making money is nice, okay? But but that is not – that is not the end goal for this. The end goal is to make those folks happy. Yep. And to provide for my employees. Yeah. And our customers. Think about, you know, I think, and, and Kev, you, because again, you haven't been in this industry long enough, but, you know, think of, I've worked on hundreds of houses, hundreds. All of those people across the country that I designed their house, I've brought joy to all of those people. And I've looked them in the eye and I know who they are. And it's a personal, like, I'm bringing joy to you. I'm bringing joy to you. I'm bringing joy to you. And, it, it, you know, the styles will go out, so maybe it only lasts 10 years. But, but I'm still making an impact directly in people's lives, in our customers, as well as the employees. So that's always just feeds my soul. I mean, it brings me so much joy to know that I'm bringing, you know, I'm, I'm spreading joy. Joy is um, one of my favorite words. Always has been. But, but it's, a, it's a gift, you know, it is, it's like you're, like you're getting, giving up Christmas presents or birthday presents or, you know, to everybody, to everyone you work with, you're giving them gifts and 
it just feels good. Who doesn't like to give a gift? You know, um, it, it's a big part of it. I think that you're right. That is what gets us through the, ugh, another cracked marble piece <laughs> or another, you know, and those things he said to learn not to take it personally. It's not his fault if That's things tough. come in broke. It's tough for me. It's been touched by 20 different hands. It's been moved from shipper to shipper. It's been moved from factories. It's been the guy that packs it, the guy that makes it, the guy that you know, gets it off the truck. It's not your fault. But we want to make our customers so happy that we take it personally because we're the end, you know, we're the final person that's going to touch it before the customer gets it. So that is really hard, but you've got to weigh those good, you know, the good with the bad. And you see that at the end of the day, the good far outweighs the little problems with broken things here and there. Bringing someone happiness is much more important than, okay, yeah, they were disappointed for two weeks because they had to wait a little longer you know, when they're going to be happy with their home for 10 years. So, you know, it is a trade-off. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. You'll see it. I, I You'll will. see it. No, I, I totally believe you. Um, yeah. And, and I see it. Um, I just, it, being at work with you is, is a bigger part of what I do than maybe you being at work yeah. with me. Well, you'll see when... Um, you know, when a client of yours that had a mantle installed or shelves and they come back two years from now or five years from now and they say, oh, I just love that piece and they show you pictures. Oh, I've already seen that. And, and then they'll come back for other pieces and they go. Oh yeah. No, no. That, so, that, that time frame is a far more truncated than that. Yeah. I've, I've had people come back, you know, I've only been doing this for a year and a half and they're coming back for their third project just because they, they, and then, and then that's one of the different things about the, the working with the wood that's better than what than working with the design part of it is because nature made the wood. I acquire the wood and then I, I move that wood through a production process to, to install it in their house. I'm actually in control of much more of this yeah. pipeline than what you are with regard to furniture and fabrics. That's true. Yeah, we pick it from a book and hope it comes in. Mm -mm. No, I <laughs> shape it into what it's yeah. supposed to become. That's to me, that's more satisfying. It's also been fun, um, you know, having to make things. There was a, a table that was a hundred and twenty <laughs> inch long table. It was massive. It was huge for a big foyer. It was going to be gorgeous, and there were they had one in stock. We ordered it, and they called and said, "Nope, it's now discontinued." And that last one that was in stock got bought by somebody else. And we had sold it to this client because it was so perfect. And so he built one. Oh, that was and awesome. That was really fun too. But then because we got to be creative together and, you know, look at the picture and say, no, this is what the finish should look like. And this is how we should do it. And knowing another layer of wax and, um, you know, really creating it together. That was fun. I want to create more furniture with you. I would love to. I've got the wood downstairs waiting, waiting he for says it. says that now. I'm serious. We'll that, no, that console, that console was a high point because it, somewhere inside of me is a, is a, Neanderthal, uh, <laughs> a hunter-gatherer that enjoys fishing and, and, and hunting and providing things for uh -huh, a family. And creating. And creating things. And, and that's, that's, part of, that's part of my soul. It's part of who I am. Yeah. And so when you came to me and you said, Kevin, we collected $3,000 for this piece of furniture and it is no longer exists. Can you make this? And, I, and I'm going to cuss here, Ilya, but shit, I can do that. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> And, and, and I've approached a lot of things in my life that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I look at a lot of stuff and think to myself, well, a worse man than me yes. has done this before. Yes. So that tells me that I can do this. Yep. We just got to figure it out. We mm -hmm. can do it. Yep. Yeah. 
And so making that piece of furniture was actually a high point. And, uh, um, good. We need I, another I, one for the floor. I got, I got all the wood. I just need the time to do it. <laughs> I know. And that is the thing. He's so busy. He's so busy now. He's got so many projects backed up. And again, like these tables, his dining tables are going, you know, 5,500. <sighs> I know it's a lot, but again, each one is a learning process. Um, but everything in life, right. is a learning process. So, and that, again, that's why the podcast we're teaching people, you know, I want to, I want them to see what it's really like on the inside. So, and a lot of people that are designers want to make things, want to refinish furniture, want to build things for them. And, and it's, it is, it's having more control of your design. Um, and that feels good, but it's going to be a learning curve. So you just have and to be patient. Also, well, there's a downside to it. I mean, you, you just, you, there's only so much throughput. Be gentle with yourself. There's only so much throughput that a single person can do with two hands. Yeah. So I have to learn how to, I think I'm getting to the point where I got to say no. Like you no, just have a longer wait time, honey. You, yeah. d- you can't say it'll be ready in two weeks. It's going to... Oh, no. There's things I'm that are going to be three or four months. four weeks now. Okay, but that's... If, if we have to wait for a, for a sofa minimum eight weeks, then your furniture should take eight weeks. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> it takes a little pressure up, right? not quite there yet. <laughs> Tell people a little bit about how... I mean, again, you may, went from a charcuterie board <laughs> to beautiful, custom, well, you know, $5,000 table... What have you learned? What's your... uh... Let me qualify that first, okay? Um, There's an advent... There's a certain conjunction that's occurring in in industry right now where things that are made by hand, things that are made from natural wood uh, are are trendy and and desirable. Okay, so there's there's my qualifying statement. Um, I am doing the right thing at the right time. Yes. For one of the first times in my life. Okay, so that said... (laughs) Um, and, and there is a huge number, also another, uh, conjunction of vendors available for metal work. Uh, uh-huh. Etsy is a huge resource. Uh, Amazon is a huge resource where you can find the metal legs uh-huh. and, and anyone, and I mean, anyone can bolt metal legs onto a piece of wood and make a functional piece of furniture. I'm not doing uh, casework here where I'm dovetail joining boxes that, you know, uh, become drawers that are part of slides that go into a piece of furniture. I'm not doing that. That's my, next year. My ta- No, that's not. Uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> my talents lie in finishing wood. So Mother Nature makes the wood. I buy it from my wood guy. I'll never tell you who he is or where he lives. <laughs> my, we found a great wood guy. <laughs> and uh, my wood guy uh, is is awesome. And he's really old. And he's and actually, that's one of the reasons why we, we uh, connected was, uh, come to find out, Bob, Bob the wood guy, was a, was a door gunner in Hueys in Vietnam. That's in, helicopters. In, in, the U, in the U.S. Army. <laughs> and so when he heard that I was an instructor pilot for the Marine Corps flying Hueys, he, we just started trading stories back and forth. And so that's how we kind of bonded. And, and one of these days, God forbid, when, when Bob passes away, your father and I will be the lone strangers at the back of his funeral, literally crying our eyes out <laughs> because Bob is no longer here to give us our wood. Yeah. But anyway, Bob procures wood. He's been, aside from being a door gunner in Vietnam, he's been in the uh, lumber industry his entire life. So he looks at trees and he knows exactly how to cut them in order to get a particular piece of wood that's going to fill a particular function. Yeah. And uh, and I've learned a bit about that. 
and uh, and I'm learning some hard lessons about it. But how to how to what not to do? Yeah, um, taking warp out of a, a board. Oh. We're kiln drying wood now. We're having things joined together um, by a professional cabinet maker, thing so, so we could do those wide plank tables. Mm-hmm. So it it has been a learning curve, and literally a curve because yeah. wood, wood warps. <laughs> Yes, it does, especially that. in the Northwest too. We got a uh, lot of moisture. There's a yeah. lot to take out. So there's a lot. It's been a huge learning curve, and I've really enjoyed that. Um, I've always been fascinated by you know as the the amateur botanist and whatnot. I've always been fascinated by the, by the science behind things. But now I'm learning functional things about you know the way wood is and and how to use it properly and and where not to use it and and the limitations. And so some of my things are actually I take the wood out to be kiln dried first and stuff like that because I don't want a table to warp or something like that. But, 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 but there's a confluence here of a lot of different factors that are, that I'm taking advantage of and, and anyone could take advantage of, uh, I, I could teach anybody how yeah, to do this. Thank goodness for YouTube, right? I mean, this oh, is yeah. the day when you can learn. Oh yeah. When Someone I want knows more than you has made a video of it. Yep. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you, you know, I taught myself how to weld on YouTube and then there's a, to the lesser extent, there is a lot of wood finishing stuff on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a specific question about a particular product, I guarantee you somebody associated with that company has made a video using that product, telling you how to use it properly or, or whatnot. Yeah. Finishes um, were the big part too, learning different finishes and their limitations. And especially when designers are very particular in how it looks, Karen, yes, they are. um, <laughs> because at first, you know, and, and my father that was also a woodworker. You know, he wants to put shellac on everything and he wants, you know, it's that shine and it brings out the different grain patterns and things. But designers don't, that's not what's in style. No. Barn wood is in style and rustic and gray and natural, you know, matte finish. And that was a big learning curve, a lot of practice, different materials, different waxes and... Yeah, how to get particular finishes. Yeah. Um, And the whole concept. But but that, surprisingly enough, that, that knowledge is not on YouTube. And I'm, I'm not seeing that. You know, grant a, a particular company that makes a product will produce informative videos on on their product, but they rarely tell you how it works with other products. Yeah, that's and true. There's a, and the and that that's actually where my education kind of comes in because with a background in organic chemistry, I'm able to look at things and go, oh, well, that's hydrophilic, that's hydrophobic. For you out there, you know that that oil and water don't mix. Well, that's exactly what I just explained in more difficult terms, and and so knowing We're smart people knowing you know what hydrophobic and hydrophilic means. Anyways, anyways, <laughs> um, but 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 knowing having the the organic chemistry background, I'm able to look at certain components and go, okay, well, this is going to go with this, and this is not going to go with that, and and so on and so forth. And you and you develop processes to do that. Woodworkers have been doing that for for millennia. Um, the problem is, is that there's not, I haven't seen, and I'm sure I'm, we're going to get a lot of information about this, but, but it, it's, it was tough to cobble together all the knowledge that A goes with B and B goes with C and, and, and then learn from that. And I, I made, you know, I did a lot of trial by error sort of stuff. And, um, but I'll, I'll tell anybody that, that knowledge now, but, <laughs> yes, because you could will. fit it all in a coffee cup, to be honest with you. But, um, no, there's this confluence, like I said, where, where the stars are lining up at this particular point in time where people appreciate things done by hand. Yeah. Um, and, and I qualify all of my customers that way, almost like you would qualify them for to buy a house. I, I look at them and I say, I don't build factory furniture. 
So what you're going to see is going to be done with a high degree of, of precision and, and care and attention to detail, but it is going to have undulations in the surf. It is not going to be perfectly flat. The, if you look close enough, you will fly and find flaws. Um, but what I'm selling to you is a piece that, that meets my stringent criteria of attention to detail. And, and each and every one of those people that I tell that to responds back and says, I want what you're producing. Uh, and, and they open up their wallets and they don't push yeah. back. And it's kind of cool. And it is nice then you, we also, because you're working so closely with the designer who has this vision for the way the room is supposed to look that again, you can, you know, if you, if you have an idea for a table and you just went high and right and you know, designed it the way you wanted because you like this finish or whatever, but it's going to completely clash in the designer's room. Well, then we, we're not doing a good service for our customers because the whole room is supposed to be the product that they're purchasing, not just the piece. That used but, to annoy me. <laughs> yes. But now, I mean, I look at it as a challenge. You know, they want, they want driftwood matte. So I know that's not the finishes you have, but let's Let's try some things. See, and I'm where where Kevin definitely likes instructions and um, you know, again the chemistry side of it. I'm like, well, we can't hurt to try. Let's get some. Let's get some scrap wood. And I'll, I'll layer. You know, I'll put all sorts of stuff on it just to see what we can create. I mean, some of the best inventions were just playing around and you know experimenting. So we do differ a little in that, but but it is great to see this side where you know he has that precision furniture making. And we're that creative type designer. No, I, it needs to look like this. I'll be I'll be the first one to to, to <laughs> illustrate that I rely on the designers a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I the, the the customer comes to they see the wood and they come to the designer and say, Hey, can can you do this? The designer comes to me and says, Hey, Kevin, can we do this? And I'm like, Absolutely. And yeah. then and then I work with the designer to find out exactly what finish they're looking for that's going to coordinate with the rest of the items in the house. And so that has been a learning curve because again, you, you, you know, when you make something by your, with your hands, uh, you get very invested in, in the process and you kind of get a little offended when, uh, a when little? some, a little offended a little. when somebody tells you that your <laughs> console table is too long and it doesn't <laughs> adhere to certain industry standards. And so, so yep. I've had to back off on that. And then, so what I've done is I open up, I know that there are certain things that the designer is going to give me feedback on and I need to produce that effect for the designer yeah. that, that, that it's a dual, you know, it's a team that's doing this, not just you and, or not just me. And, and I am open to that now. And yeah. I realize, you know, and, and there's certain things that there's certain, like for instance, your, your father, He's got, you know, he's forgotten more about woodworking than I know, but there are certain things that, that are go-to for him that current designers would, wouldn't touch simply yeah. because it's shine a color orange. or a shine. You know, linseed oil and mineral spirits is right out of the 70s and for good reason. And, and, but <laughs> shine, shiny gold orange furniture is just not in style right now. So you, nope. I have to, you know, although that is a viable way to treat a piece of wood, <laughs> It's not going to sell. And, nope. and, and, and that, that raises a, a bigger question for designers. Um, and you and I have often discussed this about why, you know, a salesperson versus a designer. Mm -hmm. And you can be one of the most talented designers on the planet, but if you can't convince someone 
to buy your design, your mm-hmm. genius is going to stay right in between your ears and go nowhere. Yep. And so I'm sure there's podcast galore about that that dichotomy, you know, the, 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 that handshaking between the salesperson and the designer and how to create your how to get someone to buy your designs. Nope, well, the same thing it. goes for this wood. This is the only podcast that talks about that. <laughs> no, it. it's not. We're the one. Yes, we are. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the the genius woodworker, if he can't sell his, yeah. if, if his product, you know, if his pieces aren't valued um, because they adhere to certain out-of-date uh, finishes, then it's not going to sell. It's yeah, well, we talked there. about that. That piece of wood that he was doing, I forget it was a shelf or a table, I think it was a console table. And I came down and saw it and said, nope, it's too orange. I said, well, that's the wood. The wood has that color in it. And I said, well, then we better find a way. Purple and orange make brown, so let's put some purple on it. I mean, there has to be a way to to marry the two, yeah. you know, and, and we're working on it. So yes, it's been great. It's I'm, a great ride. I'm working on it. I know. I know. But we have, I mean, that is one good thing with Kevin and I, we both, we like to learn. We like to educate ourselves. We like to experiment. We like, we, we like the, you know, that freedom um, and to know that at the end of the day, like, oh, I learned something new. That's now I'm going to keep doing it that way, and then we're going to keep evolving. And again, that's that's been a big part of why I'm successful as a designer because, like you said, every day is a little different. You can plan, you can brief for that flight, but it's never going to go that way. Never. And it's the same with a design. It's the same with an install. It's never going to go the way you had planned. So you better be able to pivot. You better be able to problem solve. You got to be able to think on the spot. I mean, you, you have to be flexible. If you are a really uptight type A person, this might not be the career for you. I'm be- more of an A minus. Yes, he's definitely an A minus. But the, Maybe a B. I know you've heard Maybe me say a it a million times, but Dwight Eisenhower's quote, uh, the plan is nothing, but planning, the process of planning is everything. Yeah. And so when you do plan, you have an A, a B, and a C, yes, and a D. Yes, back pocket and, ideas. And, and you... And that's, you know, that's one of the things that a good designer has to have in spades is they've got to be able to think on their feet Yep. because that install is never going to go as you planned it. There's always going to be some, some hurdle that's thrown in your path. And if you can't jump over that hurdle, you're not going to be very happy at what you're doing. Yep, exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you, honey, for being on my podcast. Did you have fun? Was it as terrible as you thought? <laughs> he's he's looking at me like contemplating oh. my response. <laughs> no, no, this was great. It was great to get a different opinion. And again, these are questions I've never really asked you. So yes, um, I know. I'm glad that that you were here and you can give your insight. You know, you're the person on the outside of the fishbowl looking in. And um, what were your observations? And so I'm I'm really appreciative. I like to fish. He does like to fish. They're there yummy. Thank you so much. Thank you, honey. I'll see you later. Um, thank you, everyone, and happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.